Welcome back to the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where it's always Bodom after midnight. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Yeah, we're talking children of Bodom right there, Danny. Did you expect that one? No, I didn't actually, Matt. No, I didn't. It's like Bodom after midnight. Yeah, Dan, Dan, Dan. And it's that movie ripoff. Da, da, yeah, da, it's da, from da, the, da. the Rock. If anyone watches The Rock, Sean Connery, that is the ripoff. And you, you don't not hear it because they literally play that riff through the whole movie. So it's kind of like a Delta Force theme song where they play that one. Dun, 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 dun. The whole yeah, incredibly again. inappropriate. We're killing off terrorism, again. minorities, and here comes the most cheesiest line that wouldn't even make a Transformers movie. And again, and again. Yeah. And just keep playing it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Super Mario Brother Matt. I'm Dan again. And we're here to talk about, again. you know, we've got a new project coming out. We're actually back to our, our CD reviews, Danny. Our, our fans have a longing to hear what we think about the medals and the uh, album's coming out. And this is a new project. We've got the guys called Keith Merriam and Wes Hawk. They're from their respective side project bands, but they're getting better to do a side project band. So it's a side project inception. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a double spy. It's like a spy of a spy, yeah. We're also tonight, we're going to talk about something near and dear to all our hearts. It's about how we got into metal. Uh, we've noticed a lot of people our day and age either finding themselves getting back into metal or, um, you know, just longing for those days of... Uh, you know, kind of reflecting. Maybe we can talk together and find out how we can get some of our friends into it too, you know, spread the word and all that kind of stuff, don't you? Yeah, I think like most of us, we it's kind of like a gateway drug. You know, you find that one band and then from there it gets heavy and heavy and heavy until you find your level of... um. Yeah, it's like, you know, you start to Blink-182, then Metallica, and then before you know it, you're doing meth. So it's, you know... It's, it's a pretty gradual experience, I'd imagine. I don't think Metalheads can afford meth. <laughs> you give us too much credit. <laughs> all right, but first let's talk news... Born of Osiris have released a new slash old CD. Uh, basically, they've re-recorded a debut EP, but obviously with the uh, new and improved members or whatever. Now, I actually have the album that Arch Enemy did this because they had the guy before Angela, and then they got Angela, who sounds like pretty much a guy or whatever. Anyway, um, so and even when I heard that, I was more than like, look, you can tell where the songwriting was was then. So we're having him re-record it. It was kind of like, yeah, but Angela's on it, I guess, but like. You could have put all that time and energy into writing fresh new material and you guys are obviously more skilled to do so. So, are they just jerking the fans? Is this a quick buck or is it like they are so like, no, this stuff is good. You just need to hear it play better. Yeah, I think it could also be maybe uh, their contract from their record labels. Like, yeah, you guys need oh, another album and the year's coming to an end soon. So, give us another album. But it's actually, they've, they're recording their old, like this debut album but they've actually changed like riffs and parts to songs mm. which means that well what do you play live do you play the new stuff or do you play the old version how's that work well out? we've seen this triad method actually tested and true to their words we've seen disturbed do it quite a lot they've got five albums where they've used the same album <laughs> and uh, they've gotten quite popular no one seems to know you know but you know what you do is keep it fresh with it with it with a cover you know yeah so yeah. you get you don't want to be too original by ripping yourself off so why not just rip someone else off danny and these guys are the opposite they're actually doing one original song and all the rest are covering themselves so they're actually uh. doing a doing an opposite to the disturbed it was funny because I remember uh, Pete Taggart, the guy from Hypocrisy, and he did Catch-22, but he completely remastered it with pretty much the same wrist, but because the, the production was anything different because he swore that he hit gold with this album. He didn't realize he actually hit gold with the albums afterwards. That's when he came to his own fruition, and a lot of people agree. So, yeah, guys, we probably won't check out the album. We'll probably review it because, like you said, Danny, that's pretty much point. Like, you've heard it. You're just going to hear it now better or maybe even worse. Depends how much of a fiction you have for the uh, old CDs. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, but again, it's, um, it's a clever trip by them. I guess, you know, it's like all these bands are doing cover albums. They've just done a cover album themselves. 
Yeah, little Best of Osiris played by Osiris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Megadeth Dave Mustaine is doing a cameo on the new Body Count album. Now, we talked about Body Count last week. You know, it's pretty much like a bit of a conglomeration of, uh, you know, uh, pretty angry uh, musicians, but obviously well-known musicians as well. The funny thing was, though, is the matchup. We we saw what uh, the trailer, and it was very much like, you know, coming from the Black Lives Matter slash, you know, grassroots movements or, you know, having a shot at the man kind of thing. But we know Dave Mustaine to be the, the, the one who kind of goes for the man. He's, a, he's an old school Republican, you know, tried and true. Is this kind of like, is this taking away from the point that um, they were trying to make the first time? Like, what do you think they're doing with having Dave Mustaine on the album? I don't know. I mean, the songs he's playing on is called No Lives Matter. So maybe that's why. Maybe you got one side who think, who, um, like the Black Lives Matter maybe side, I'm not too sure. Maybe the other side is the White Lives Matter. So maybe they just put them together and they can't each other out saying No Lives Matter. So maybe that's why maybe having those two in- musicians make yeah, the economy. That, that contradicts the whole trailer. The trailer was that, no, we need to concentrate on a certain lives matter because if you don't, then it diminishes all other lives not mattering. Do you, they kind of like I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so who do we? Who's the good guy? Uh, it's like watching the Transformers again. Like Optimus Prime's a bad guy. But once we had Decepticon label on him, then we'll, our brains would be melted. Yeah. Who's the good guy? Like who are we rooting for? What's the philosophy that I'm getting behind? So far, I'm just kind of like I I I don't know. Maybe it's the ending to like um oh what's that movie with those comic book guys? Seven. Nah, oh, the, oh. the comic book guys. Yeah, oh. um, six. The Rorschach in it. Oh, Rorschach. Seven. Oh, hey, eight. <laughs> no. Oh, what's the one? The guy's smiley face. Anyway, that movie. So the ending to that movie. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's, it's it's far more complicated than my brain can can understand, which is not very hard because I struggle watching Care Bears episodes. So this is not going to be something that. Uh, well, maybe we should keep talking about it and see how far down the rabbit hole I can dig myself into. Today. Watchmen. The movie is Watchmen. Watchmen. It's like the ending to Watchmen. Oh. You don't know who to root for. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to move on to our next one, and this is another band who I don't know how to root for them, but we're going to nah. talk about them anyway. Timmy <laughs> oh. Borgia. Now they have a interesting double teaser they've obviously teasing their new dvd the forces of northern lights which is coming out in april and they're also teasing new material now i've talked to a couple of people about it and i can't figure out where i sit with Jimmy. and i think i found out what it is danny yeah okay man talking to andy from the against the grain studios which is here in adelaide it's basically it's like a heavy metal uh recording studio but he does other things as well you know and he was saying like Jimmy borgia are classic for writing some really awesome riffs and then the album will contain filler, but you're so like bought into that one track or that one uh, insulin in that. It's like, these guys are awesome. But, and I guess that's our romantic feelings. That's my romantic feelings with the band. I can definitely tell you two or three songs off each album that are just the shizzle. So it gets me excited to hear that they're going to release this album out. But then I know I'm going to like two songs off of it. So at least like two songs, man. It could be like the Last and Flames album where you just don't want to hear it again. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so if we we're gonna review it, you're exactly right. But you're not you're not just like having hidden anger towards Dimmy because they're like holding Golda back from doing what old man's child. You don't have that. Oh, all right, let's talk let's talk about let's talk about how there's people holding other people back. I was actually oh. watching a Jeff Loomis interview as well. We're gonna we're gonna do a bit of a sidetrack. Don't worry, we'll get back to you, Dimmy Borg here. And well, what, I was, he was actually talking about with the guy who was interviewed that he's um, you know submitted a few riffs to um, the guy from Much Enemy, the uh, the Amit brother, and um, but by ideally it's going to be him and uh, basically a large percentage of the album still going to be uh, Amit and Jeff Loomis might have a couple of riffs if maybe one possibly two songs. Now is this kind of like having the nuclear launch codes, finding out where Hitler lives, and deciding to vote against it and instead to go for the handshake? Like this is literally like. 
you have a weapon of mass destruction that's going to make you money, and it's kind of like, yeah, I'd rather not. I think I've got what it takes to make money. And I'm like, yeah, he doesn't. Well, that's unfortunately your bias towards It totally <laughs> is. It really is. But how do you not? Like, he's the number one best guitarist in metal right now. He's in your band. And you don't want to just isolate maybe one album of Arch Enemy and just go 50-50 on it, right? After this, you know, get rid of him. He's going to join Nevermore again. I've already, you know, foreshadowed this last week in yes. our trailer. So let's do it. Let's just go ahead and just, like, do that. Well, I think you're kind of putting a lot of pressure on the poor lad. I mean, for stars, you said Jeff Lim is the best guitar in metal going around. We all know one of the great heavy metal publications, which actually just got relaunched again this week, it got saved, yep. said that Lizzie Hale was the greatest shredder. So, oh, that's I'm sorry, right. Matt. Jeff Lim's, I think, got nominated. No wonder they went bankrupt. No wonder people were like, like the whole community's like, no, they, they said Lizzie Hale was like the best guitarist and they said like, well, there were some other great ones from the last last year we brought uh, up. Yeah, that's all we'll get You know, so like, let's let's move on to our next story. Um, So, so yeah, we'll go back to Demi, Demi before we go to that. Yeah, we're looking forward to the album slightly. So, let's go to our next story. Uh, Brett Michaels confirms Poison's coming back in 2017. Number one for hair metal, mostly because I am super bold metal ah, brother, Matt. No. And you're bolding super metal <laughs> brother, Dan. No, never says the thing. <laughs> you're going out kicking and screaming where I'm already here <laughs> in the sand and peeing in the in the sand pit. You so. should have your sleep standing up and honest, lying um, head first down. No, that's, that's I'd rather just sleep works. and be bold, man, honestly. Uh, but we're talking Brett Michaels. Do Is that exciting you as a... You know, former, a very long hair, uh, Super Metal Brother. What uh, what does this do for you? Uh, look, I like hair metal as well. I've seen like Monty Crew play, and that's probably about most of my hair metal bands play. I saw Steel Panther, I guess, play. So I did like a bit of hair metal, but look, I'm one of those guys who just knows their radio hits. So if they do two, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what's going on. Well, if 2016 was the land of the dead and with all our celebrities dying, this seems to be like the resurrections. We're seeing guys like coming down like you know, Guns N' Roses. Mm. We're going to see Brett Michaels. There's a couple other ones getting teased as well, yeah, returning but, bands as well yeah. that have been on hiatus. But this Poison Reunion is only like been a five-year hiatus. That's not a hiatus. That's how long it takes for bands to write albums and come out again. So yeah. I'm like, ah, it's not really that big of a deal, is it? Yeah, I guess, but they weren't writing an album. They were just probably doing drugs, and now they've run out of money, so they're doing another tour to probably do more drugs. I mean, they've aged as gracefully as, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, which is, uh, yeah, looking like a blue-tongued lizard. <laughs> it's just the way it is, man. Yeah. Have you seen these guys? I mean, like, they're still doing the makeup on that, but, God, when you have the makeup stretched across oh, a, a piece of skin that's, like, been, like, you know, foreskin across, terrible. It's terrible. It's shiny, man. These guys are shiny without, like, without any, like, makeup on them. They just, like, glow. Yeah. It's like, what, they have the sun indoors now? <laughs> <laughs> I can't work it out. you be careful. If they're only, like, pyrotechnics, man, their face will start melting, so they got to be careful. Yeah, let's move on to something a bit more brutal with the uh, Flight 666 now. The Flight 666 from Finnair, it landed safely in Hell on Friday the 13th, which is Helsing, was it then? Helsinki, I'm guessing, the capital of Finland. Yeah, there. so the Flight 666 landed in Hell on Friday the 13th. Well, of course it would, right? Because even if it didn't land in there, it would have you know, burned in Hell, but then they were flying you know, on uh, the most satanic of holidays, so they would end up in Hell anyway if the thing crashed. So, duh. Yeah, this, this sounds like a really lazy uh, movie pitch to like a movie executive. Yeah. Oh, I've got this plane. Uh, it's going to hell. Yeah. Oh. oh, it's on Friday the 13th. You know, oh, yeah. they're all in there. Like, you know, Chuck and uh, no. the, girl, the, the hockey mask and Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, all the horrors are in there. 
Chuck. What Chuck? Oh, Chucky. Yeah, Chucky. Oh, I thought you'd been clever. You're doing like Chuck Schrodinger, like you're doing like all the dead like musos on the plane. Oh, metal guys. Oh, yeah, like Chuck Schrodinger put his soul into like a doll of himself. So oh. yeah, that's why he's living now because because he's that cool. Uh, yeah. So of course it was gonna land. Even if it didn't land, it was still would end up in hell. So yeah, there's been another different story out of it. I'm glad we look. We're glad. No, we're the same headline. We've been late. Yeah, this is lazy journalism. Like they <laughs> they already pressed enter. It's like it hasn't even happened no. yet. It's like it will. No, it's not lazy journalism. If they land in the other hell, it was two L's, not one L, Matt. Give uh, credit a, to these journalists. Um, it's a typo. The way journalism is these days, they would be like, yeah, they would go away with it. Yeah, but to be fair, I guess like a lot of the big Iron Maiden fans know that British sticks and flies for, for British airs. And he always has 666 as his flight number. So, yeah. I'm, no, this wasn't flown by him. It was just maybe something they do in Finland. Yeah, but I think he's retiring. So, you know, he has to somehow give it... He has to keep... like That That number for a plane has to still exist because these awesome headlines won't ever exist because yeah. of it, right? So, he even if he can't do it, if he hands the baton to another heavy metal airline, you know, to keep the tradition alive, that would be more to his legacy than, you know, retiring it. Sweet. Yeah. Diet is Murder, rejoined by vocalist CJ McMahon permanently. Now... We aren't the biggest They Are as Murder fans, but again, this is exciting, you know? This is like, you know, for a lot of the hardcore fans, you know, the guy who they want to hear behind, you know, behind the vocals and uh, giving what they want to hear, you know, for sure, really. Uh, is there anything for you, Dan, that you want to see now? Other vocalists joining bands that uh, formerly have left, maybe? Uh, the only one would have to be Van Halen, I've never seen Van Halen play, so it'd be good for David Lee Roth to come back, but I heard he's like, really struggling vocally. Mm. I don't mind the Sammy Hager Van Halen time, but uh, there, there was talks about there was actually a bit of talks about that at the end of last year that oh, yeah. came back together. So that'd be cool to see those two get back together. I'm sure Matthew would like or ordained to rejoin Nevermore. We, we we know it's going to happen, but he has to. Jeff Flemis now obviously has a lobotomy because he's decided to join a band that aren't going to use his awesome talents. So just go somewhere that will. You know, it's kind of like. Anything with anything, literally, like you, you're a great basketballer, but they put you on the bench, you know, for the uh, Essendon Bombers or something, you know what I mean, with all their problems they're having. It's just like, why do it? Why yeah. disappoint everybody and no one gets anything out of it? But we're going to talk about, um, you know, you're right, there are some, some things coming up. 2017 is a time for change, as we discussed about 10 minutes ago in our podcast. And this is another thing that people want to see and hear. Mm. Uh, do people want to hear what Trent Nesna has to say though, Denny? Yes. We, we know him from Nine Inch Nails and he's said that toxic environment on social media has negatively affected music. Now, basically, when I read this article, it's pretty much he's coming from the thing that people are too afraid to put an opinion down, right? And, or stand by their laurels, really. Does he have a point, Danny? Is he talking out of the Hollywood like Meryl Streep ass where he has, they're so disconnected from society and they're buying their $17 million yacht so that they can't really you know, sympathize with the general voter or is he actually running the money with it? I don't know. Again, this is probably one of those things that you have to be in his scene or maybe the pop scene or to understand where he's coming from because I think metal guys normally write what they want to write and their lyrics, they normally put their lyrics down what the lyrics they want to put down. So I'm not really sure how it really relates to the bands I've known. So it's a bit I, This is the thing. I want to throw a bit of controversy out there. Now, I don't really have a standing politically saying, right? But I do understand that right now, um, we've seen metal publications throw down on people who have a gender outside the liberal mentality, right? You know, it seems that now metal journalism's featuring kind of to the left-hand side, where before it never seemed to have a political stance, but now definitely it's left-leaning. 
um, the way they've taken out on, on Donald Trump. And I'm thinking, well, he's just a guy who speaks his mind. You know, you you fucking, you even angelize the black metal scene and the death metal scene for doing the exact same thing. But when a politician does it, it somehow seems wrong. So I just think a bit of hypocrisy with it. So to be honest, I think what Trent Reznor is saying is true. There is a toxic environment coming out in the musician things because anyone who talks against uh, the the social norm right now is getting destroyed, and that's coming from our peers. Mm. Yeah, but that's true. Not us though, because we love everybody. Yeah, We're yeah. Superman brothers. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, Dan's obviously a jerk, yeah, but nah. I, you know, I I actually understand what Trent Nurse is actually saying from this. Although he might be saying it from a nicer yacht than I own. In yes. fact, I don't even own a yacht. Yes. <laughs> but yes. um, but I can sympathise that. You know, right now it's uh, we're, we're punk and metal. You know, we used to flourish from being against the grain. Somehow. Anyone who does it now is considered a racist or a, or a homophobe or, or a superhero brother Dan. It's really weird. <sighs> yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're fair points you say, man. But again, I'm not sure how much it's affecting the writing of metal uh, musos out there. I, I really can't see much change at all. So until, <laughs> until uh, it's hard because you know, you, there's so many bands out there, so many genres. You don't know if there are certain genres being affected. But I honestly haven't seen too many metal musicians write differently or. They, they, they do speak differently. I'll give them credit there. They have to protect themselves, but uh, right musically, I don't know how much that's been affected. Well, you did mention the word hard, and I am definitely hard for this next story. Behemoth putting out a live album this year and a new album being written. Now, this is coming off the back of Negral releasing his folk music trailer for his album. But we're not talking about that because that's not metal. So let's <laughs> talk about the actual Behemoth side of things, right? Now, 2002, 14 to say this was that 14 I can't even remember can't remember yeah, doesn't matter anyway yeah. the best album of the decade apparently the apparently. Satanist from the Behemoth record it was regarded very good whatever um, you know this is off the back of that you know whether they're going to follow the tradition of that progressive death cancer I had it and now I'm better for it and why or are they going to go back to being an angry band where it was pretty much like the death metal infused with a bit of black to uh, to kind of you know flavour it what do you think is going to happen Danny well to see it because apparently he did a solo project sound like surf rock so yeah. you just don't know where he's gonna come from I and mean, a lot of the bands like long stay bands have just gone down this softer progressive route like opeth and devon towns and etc they, they just seem to be natural progression to get bits softer yeah i'm looking forward to it because even if it's not an album i like he's so creative and he's always pushing a medium forward you know he's and that's why he, like, he always comments on how he likes guys like david bowie and stuff like that and yeah they're not metal but these are guys who transcend each album they always try to push themselves down a musical trail and uh, whether it works or not or it doesn't is up to you but um you're guaranteed to get something fresh so we are looking forward to the album when it comes out we'll definitely review it won't we danny yeah the question is that will there be clean vocals what else can you do you can't really keep screaming and be angry and if it's we're gonna hear his clean vocals on the uh the uh, surf rock album, you know, BGs meets, uh, you know, uh, marijuana. Um, but let's finish it off with Joey Jordanson. All right, there's a final news for you for tonight. Now, Joey Jordanson's come out and said he would never would have quit Slipknot ever. Basically, what happened was in the short end of the stick was Joey Jordanson was in hospital for he needed an operation. Uh, his spinal was, was at yeah, the time a nerve problem. Kind of thing. Yeah, he's affecting his like now apparently he said he got visited by a member from the band and then yeah one member from the band and then all of a sudden he found himself out of a job he's looking in the classifiers for you know jobs that involve double kick and they're looking at horoscopes then he yeah and he actually apparently he got fired from a singing telegram so that's a oh that's quite a rude and angry way to get someone out of your band he helped you establish your band but anyway that's a side point but yeah apparently he um left and there's still really no reason why Still not got rid of him. There was there's talks about him 
uh, changing persona or changing his mentality, but no one really gave a clear indication what that actually meant. So. And maybe they never will. That way, you kind of blur the lines a bit, and that way, you don't know who the real bad guy or good guy is. So Slipknot keeps their fans, and Joey Jordan gets to keep his. You know, if they drew if they drew the line, then you know we needed lawyers, and uh, you know Netflix would have to get involved so we can you know get at least uh, three seasons out of it. Oh yeah, it's like a making of a angry drummer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like maybe it's less murders, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, like metalheads these days, you never quite know. So yeah, man, man, you just put that mask on someone's face. You don't know who's behind that mask. So yeah, yeah. Look, we we feel for the guy. He's obviously still being creative. He's got some things going on, but uh, yeah, if what's true. You know, that's it. You know, he didn't he didn't leave guys, you know, so stop sending him death threats. And if you weren't sending him death threats, well then um good for you. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's uh, move on to the editorial this week, Danny. This week's editorial podcast question was what got you, our fans, into metal? What are good bands to get people into metal? And all the posts obviously we're gonna read out right now. The, int- the reason why I want to do this is that uh, metal right now is kind of stagnant, you know. It's starting to creep into the mainstream a little bit with animation, uh, certain references, you know, certain icons making TV and stuff like that. And uh, even styles of music, you know, making into uh, video games, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, even like the um, clothing labels just don't have metal-inspired clothing. Even um, Baby Metal might actually have a TV animated show coming out of Japan. So, yeah, Death of Course, Metapocalypse. So... Yeah. yeah it's so good, it's it's good to now to reflect on how we got into the, the scene itself and wondering how we can then help to get more people back and to recruit them, you know. We need to create a death army and it needs to annihilate pop music, but also, you know, like good music. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all win here. Yeah, there's, that's there's right. No there's a method to our madness, people. Stick with me. Stick with me, all right? So we're going to start right from the top from our uh, page on Super Metal Brothers page on the Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Super Metal Bro. Amy Linwood loves it. She's gone Metallica, Corn, and Nine Inch Nails. Once I met my partner, though, I got more exposure to Fear Factory, Soil Work, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, there's a good state, you know, and we're going to find that kind of bands a good start. The new metal scene in the 90s was great because it was so simplistic in its design. You know, have a very simple riff, three-note melody, and a backbeat with, you know, that kind of rap thing and just, you know, loop till nauseam. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you had the grunge as well in the early 90s, so that all was you know, a bit of foreshadowing, a bit of heavy stuff. Yep, Jason Alplin has stated uh, that uh, Disturbed was when a younger teen and later discovered Killswitch, Parkway Drive, and they're still his favourite bands. Fair to say he's over Disturbed right now. Great gateway band Disturbed, you know. Again, new metal, perfect, you know, it's like got a simple design, catchy melodies with the, with the uh, chorus and stuff. They were more fleshed out back in the day, but now, you know, obviously we talked about it a lot, so yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Long pause. Fear Factory demanufacture. Wow, what a way to get introduced into metal. You know, you're either going to love it forever or you're going to have like that same thing we get from the mothers that come into my work. It's like, oh, that's the stuff that's like... And it's like, no, that's the sound I'm going to make when I destroy you and your family. Like, how do you do make such a lazy... Um, uh, assumption over something that's so much more complex but then they usually get yelled at by security for trying to threaten old ladies so it doesn't really work well for me nah he's got whiffing in the parking lot man yeah uh, Braden FC uh, CFC he's that boy he's the guy who won the city last year Danny yes congratulations Braden yes he's got himself testament right now for entering our competition last year don't worry we'll get some more competitions this year for you guys who want some more material Hybrid Theory Meteor Art was my gateway I got dark and heavy from there onwards I think Metalcore was a good transition into heavier music I think Metalcore is a good transition and that Right now, it's very popular with the kids, Danny. It is. I mean, especially in Australia, we have like a lot of hardcore, metalcore bands out there, like Dialers Murder and Parkway Drive, etc. Even I uh, killed a prom queen, queen, like 
I think Adelaide's probably biggest metal export. Yeah, yeah. They so that's that's kind of like a big part of Australian metal culture. So why not? Everybody seems to enjoy it. Everybody seems to dig it. It's like it's the best way. You can just sell records that scene because it's like literally, you know, you've got heavy riffs. But you've also got your catchy chorus. It's basically like Maiden, but just heavier. Where it's kind of like you know, and their and their appeal instead of having like you know, ultra screamy whatever, they've got like the breakdowns or whatever. So yeah. there's that there's a catch there where where Maiden had the gallop, so it was always driving forward. This one's a bit more crushing with that. But aside from that, it's the same kind of principle: heavy heavy verses, catchy choruses, guitar solos. You know, there you go. Have 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 your money and uh, enjoy. Yeah. Cool, yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke Serta, I first listened to Static X, then Mudvayne back in the day. Hatebreed, Fear Factory. First started, you got to do bands that are not so heavy, then Cannibal Corpse eventually. Uh, again, we're seeing uh, Fear Factory make the list. Uh, they are great though, aren't they, Danny Fear Factory? Industrial metal, but for some reason, why are these guys so unbelievably popular? Like, they're heavy, they're, they're technical, but they're engaging. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we I've seen him live. I mean, he's, he's a great front man. Like, yeah. I've seen... um. Yeah, no, he, they do well on stage. Live's always good to see him live. I'm not the biggest fan of his clean vocals, so that's just my own personal taste. But, you know, I guess they're one of the first to do it, and they, they just stuck well with it. Well, I think what he's done is that clean vocals just reminds me of the 80s with the synthesizer. It's kind of like that pop uh, rock, you know. It's very weird, but it like it comes out of Duran Duran album, you know, and it's just he's kind of just throwing it in there. He's definitely a fan. They did that Cars cover as well. Mm. So you can tell he's definitely got his fingers in those pies, but when it's brutal, it's brutal. And um, one thing metal always needs to remember is obviously those rhythms, and that's what they have mastered at. Meshuggah do it as well. They keep a good rhythm, and the fans love them for it, even when the melody's not there. Hey, Danny. Yeah, and everybody loves Dino. He's just such a big chubby face. You just want to hug that guy, man. Yeah, so. good good face to the band, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to look at Leah Masson. Her brother used to play songs on the guitar when she was like 13 years old. It's like a question mark there. So it's 13 years old? <laughs> you should know. Come on. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> now, she used to hear it from her bedroom and just loved it. You know, mainly she was hearing Metallica songs. And then after that, you know, she met uh, Super Mario Brother Matt. And then she got uh, showcased into heavier and heavier, you know, music. You're welcome for the Flesh God Apocalypse. That's. Uh, and she's even loving the Pain album. So there you go, one of our ref- uh, refer- referrals from last year. She's actually stolen from Super Mario Brother Matt, and I'm um, yet to see that back. So enjoy. She, she, she was the other contest winner. She actually uh, won. Yeah, she, she's uh, <laughs> she uh, by chance happens to luck out with the CD. <laughs> yeah, somehow. We didn't sign that one, though, so uh, well, it's not worth shite. Uh, it's good to have people like Jackie Tran here because uh, what he got into metal was that he found that there's material that was a lot stronger than wood, so it makes sense for construction work. No one likes you. Yeah, pretty much. I think he's just saying that he really loves industrial metal, and that's his way of like not admitting it. Because he's got he, he's got a face to keep, so he, he doesn't want people to know that he's actually a big industrial metal fan. Yeah. So when it says stronger than wood, that means his penis. So basically, when he's yes. getting to industrial metal, it got so hard that it made his penis turn to rigor mortis and yeah. like you know, like a flying bird in a Simpsons episode, crash through windows. And that's pretty much how he turns up the volume knob, man. Use a variety of tools and machinery as well. So there you go. It's inspired him yeah. to get a job. So you're welcome, Jackie. Literally. We are here to serve, and Jackie's probably the, the best 
Best feel-good story of the day, Danny. I've got to be honest. I know. A guy who's overcome so much to really admit to his fans and his family that he's a metalhead. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage, and we really appreciate that courage. Go ahead and buy, uh, buy, buy an album, mate. Uh, I really recommend Testament's uh, album last <laughs> yeah. year. was really good, dude. Like, Talk we to re- Brayden about it. He was- <laughs> yeah, Brayden's got it. <laughs> you guys be friends, all right? Uh, Michael Ab Gibbons. Metallica was about to got him into it, you know, and he also recommends Caliban. Yeah, Metallica were perfect. You know, anyone growing up in the 90s had all those albums beforehand before they started to go black. So they got the best of the best. They got, you know, uh, Justice for All. They got Master of Puppets, you know. They got Ride the Lightning. Albums that are still selling, like, you know, melted plastic, whatever. It's just still, it's still selling to this day. Yeah. It was, was it the top 20 metal albums last year. I think six yeah. of the metallic albums made the top 10. So these guys, they, I'm not sure they retire. Just, yeah, just stop it. Just, they just stop going. They just want to. Yeah, honestly, give another chance for another metal band or not. You know, make it really ultra competitive out there. So then everyone else is fighting over crumbs, really, eh, Danny? Yeah, why not? It's crazy. Seamus Stanford, Nirvana and Corn when he was ten, and uh, then from there he went out. So yeah, Nirvana, you know, grunge, not metal, but definitely a good way to get into it. And then obviously Corn again. So let's finish it off with a couple left. All right, we got Sean Tannery. He said Metallica started off, went straight into Darkest Hour, Undoing Run. That's an Australian band, Danny. Now that's a bit interesting uh, to get yeah. to get into uh, such a biggest band and then one right underneath the radar with Darkest Hour. Yeah, aren't they more of like also like an Iron Maiden style type? Band? Yeah, like, yeah that's way to way to way to go out and you know find the music that you like. And to finish it off, Ben Patrick, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, Slayer, Metallica, Black Sabbath with the bands he grew up with. Yep. And then uh, the reason for Mambo Poo Shooter is a metal icon for me. I don't know why, but it just is. What's a Mambo Poo Shooter? I don't know, but it sounds good. Mambo Poo Shooter. Mambo is, a, is all I know is a clothing brand. Yeah. Poo Shooter is your bum. Yeah. <laughs> is that something we're missing it? Uh, that was like one of those, uh, you're doing your phone and it automatically does your text for you. I reckon we, we're just like, made ourselves see the most uncoolest people in the world because everyone yeah. knows now and everyone's like, Super Metal Brothers, Super Metal Unemployed Brothers. Enjoy, no, send a link. Yeah, thanks for that. Like, you know, this guy's probably the most metal. He's like more metal than Dio, this guy here. And we don't um, know who he is. Yeah, but in all, in all honesty, Dan, I think that's time now to uh, kind of give us a. What uh, what got you into the scene, dude? And what, uh, what do you think the advice is to get other people into it? Yeah, scene for me is like um, our dad and our older cousin. He used to literally every Friday night play records at our place, and that's pretty much what we grew up on. Just listening to hard rock and metal, and dad always had Dio or Deep Purple in the car, so that's pretty much what I listened to. And yeah, I followed suit. Deep Purple was my first band, first concert. Uh, I listened to that pretty much all the time. Then I switched off a bit and going to be more, um, I guess, a bit more commercial because I thought I was bit, I was going through that, you know, your primary school years. You thought I listened to what other kids liked. Oh, I got some things out of it. Going to turn to a bit of a regurgitator fan, but after that, then Matt, you got me pretty much back into it with. You know, went back to Metallica, but then yeah. Strapping Young Lad was probably the first band I got, which was heavier. Yeah, and from there, just got then Opeth came around. Yeah, and then Sugar came around, and then yeah, and then Slip, uh, Something X came around, and yeah, it's pretty much been going from there. Yeah, we're all ingrained, unfortunately for us, because yeah, we're growing up. We had all of it, and then obviously we had school. We had like you know peers and stuff, you know, peeing in our ear, telling us that we were wrong. And when we're always right, you know, I, I ended up chasing the sound again because um, going through high school, yeah, I, I just went into punk because I wanted that guitar back in my life. But eventually, you're just like, nah, it needs to be heavy, it needs to be heavier. And funny enough, uh, I found a friend who got me onto Metallica. Again, it was heavy, but I wanted it heavier. Opeth came around, and then I knew by going after it myself, the internet came at the perfect time. And here we are right now sharing our love stories with our Super Metal fans. 
And uh, I think right now, though, the band that's going to get people into metal, though, that's what another one I want to talk about right now. And some people did touch on it, Danny. You know, there are some bands right now that are coming out, but a lot of them seem like older bands. So is mm. there a potential where, you know, in order to get new fans, we have to go back in the old? Or are we missing something? No. I mean, last year we covered Volbeat. And Volbeat has a tendency to, like, kind of be a start-start band. So that's there. You said Pain is also a way which goes there. Because you have to have something which kind of matches the melody and melodic singing and the heaviness. So you yeah. have to use that transition yeah, perfect. to get people in. Um, if yeah. not, otherwise bands just like Symphony X, they're just great bands. Or if you like Nevermore, they're just great heavy bands. It depends who you're trying to get and what level they're already into and how you can transition them into a bit heavier. I find that what you touched on before was great. You know, you want a metal fan to get someone into metal. You want something that infuses, something that's familiar, like vocals and stuff, you know, but then a little bit of dirt to the guitars and stuff. And I think a transition, like you were saying, is important, um, but uh, they need to find where they are themselves because eventually they'll hit a line for themselves like we do, and you'll just find that certain metal or certain music won't be. But uh, yeah, just keep with it. It seems like Disturbed right now are kind of newer bands going through uh, at Parkway Drive and stuff like that, metalcore that's coming through. So, you know, to all our friends and family out there, you know, if you've got friends and family you want to introduce into uh, the music scene, just start off nice and easy like you guys did. No one here apart from maybe one or two people got, you know, Fear Factory from the gate. Most of you started off with a, uh, a nice gateway band and would love to hear, you know, some success stories. You know, anyone who uh, has a love story they want to share on our wall, believe me, we might even have you on the show, you know. I want you to share the world how you uh, managed to uh, inspire someone and uh, to see it and see the light, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Definitely. I or mean, just see something that they might get out of it. You know, something they can enjoy. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always amazed. Like when, when you meet people and they, and they like, they always have those really preconditioned thoughts about metal, and then it's, it's always like, oh, metalheads are angry, oh, and they're aggressive and stuff. And you ask me, well, how many metalheads do you know? I'm like, oh, none. Well, what's that? Well, where are you, where are you based <laughs> on? Well, how many? Oh, I know you and your brother, like Matt, super brother Matt, super brother Dan, and and they go, but you guys are relaxed and calm. I'm like, well. If we're the only metalheads you know and we're relaxed and calm, doesn't that like make, make you start to believe that? Doesn't that mean metal? that maybe all happy people just love metal <sighs> secretly and you've just made an assumption? And, uh, you know, there yeah. we go, guys. Leaving you on that bombshell. Uh, go ahead, go ahead and chuck some of uh, your favorite tunes on. If some of those bands you haven't heard today that we mentioned, go ahead and listen to them, you know. Uh, they're cool bands. So let's move on to our album review, Danny. This album review alluvial the deep longing for annihilation this is a side project from a side project two boys pretty much started this thing and uh it's gonna be where we're gonna take it off from keith merrow now this bloke here is a bit of an enigma because he came out of almost nowhere he was a youtube uh and he was just showcasing some videos of his stuff and before you know it he grew into an overnight sensation but it was a lot longer than that he does uh, just all original materials and stuff, but now he's just doing uh, mega bucks he's been making, I reckon, or decent money showcasing amplifiers and his own songs through different pedals and stuff. Basically, he's just paid marketing for him, and he gets to play his own material for it. Yeah, he's got his own um, guitar through Check the Guitars as well, so he's yeah, he's done well. Good on him. He's yeah, played with Jeff Loomis. You know, he did Concrete Dystopia with him, and he's played with a few other guys as well, but more importantly, you know, he's this guy that kind of came from the roots up and... Uh, and his place with his very unique style. Anyone who's heard Keith Merrill knows his twist on death metal and how unusual it is. You know, he's got a lot of influences. But let's quickly move to Wes Hawk before we talk about his influences and stuff. Wes Hawk played for The Faceless and Audio Thesum. Uh, and he recently joined Black Crown Initiative. So this guy here is not a bad player. He's the serious business. Very good. You can see him on YouTube as well, doing a lot of cool solo stuff. Knows his way around a fretboard, lots, you know, he's especially one of those prodigies, knows lots of things and stuff. 
Uh, but these guys got together, Danny. Is this an unusual lineup for you, or is this basically like for a lot of people who just come out of nowhere? Uh, look, I don't really know these. T- I, know, I know of them, but I've never really put too much time and effort into them. Uh, it's, I mean, it's always good that uh, musicians who respect each other a lot and want to try out their hands with each other. It's always good to see. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this album here. It's, it, it shows a bit of that. Again, I haven't really known too much of their style, so he really influences the most. I think sometimes you got to be careful when you have these super groups or these musicians come together. You sometimes might have a dominating force, so you get really excited by having super groups, but at the same time, it's really just one guy who still writes the majority of it. But look, this one here might be different. I don't know too much about these guys personally as individuals, but... Well, let's, yeah. let's get right into the album, guys. We're going to take it off right from the top. This is what we're talking about, the riffs, right? We have a five-tier system here, if anyone doesn't know. We talk riffs first, the vocals, diversity, groove, and production. Now, this album here is, by all means, a riftopia. You know, this, for me, sounds like a Keith Merrow album through and through. It has all his signatures on it. You know, the tremolo picking to that death metal, but just is a little bit more complex than just straight-ahead death metal. It's definitely got a tie into maybe even post-death metal. You know, it's got some of those trademarks with blast beats and stuff like that, but most of the time, it's much more pulled back, and it's more of a... It's just more, it transcends just, you know, the, the classic tropes of death metal and it kind of brings it into a new, fresh perspective, I guess. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's definitely death metal elements to it. I won't deny that. Yeah. But at the same time, you're right, sometimes it just becomes a little bit progressive without being like a Planet X album or a Dream Theater era and then it yep. comes rocking without being, I don't know, too deep purpley. Or, or, is, is that he, he's putting his own feel on a lot of these types of genres in his stuff? Yeah, it's it's almost atmospheric you know like you can almost put it on the background like these these riffs here you can put in the background at a pool party or something and no one's going to get offended from listening it but at the same time it really sounds like death metal's the technical side where there's no real clear melody it's a lot of just different dissonance moving through it and kind of coming around eventually to complete a song so it's a very unique style but um it's hard. Is this a, is this album for you, Danny? This is the one thing I had struggled to really answer myself. Is it a an easy listen album, or is it one that you need to pay attention to really understand its complexities and enjoy it? What do you think? Yeah, that's true. I mean, riff wise, you're right. There, there are some like real money riffs in here, like track one, track five are great. You also he's sometimes has acoustic sections, and they're quite nice. Acoustic they're nice. Sections. Yeah, and, very and nice. Solos fit well, but unfortunately with me, because it just relies on riffs over and over again. It, it sometimes blends to me and I, I switch off. It's a I, musician I, album, isn't it, it Danny? It really is. Unless like, I know, I'm a bit of a vocalist and stuff, I, I still like that breakup. Even if you break up some synthesizing or like a bass solo, something you have to break it up somehow else. It just sounds like just two guitar guys just battling each other on a sidewalk and after a while... It, it gets a bit droning. It's um, it features yeah. It feels like a Keith Merritt album where it's definitely like here is a bunch of really awesome ideas and it's almost like a school on different uh, ways of approaching songwriting in a sense. It kind of feels like you're listening to it and it's very clever the way that these ideas are put together. But as far as it goes into a song, I never really found like even with some of the concrete dystopia, it kind of comes to a certain points of a song where you're looking forward to it because it's kind of pulling an emotion across or it's pulling a certain driving towards a certain location. But this is just a atmospheric listen you kind of listen through it from start to finish and be like oh that happened and like you said after a while things start to sound the same and uh, there's a thing i want to talk about at the end of the um so i want you to stick around guys to hear what i have to finally say at the end to, to kind of encapsulate it so let's move on to vocals 
Now, this is weird because it feels like there's an all-star lineup in this with vocals, but they've down mixed it so much that I can't actually even hear it, Denny. No, it's like it's like jazz. You gotta hear the notes he's not singing. <laughs> Isn't that they must have sung the whole album then because I can't hear anything. No, honestly, there's not one fault on this singing performance yeah. in this. This is like flawless. a ma- it's flawless. It's a masterclass of how to hit the correct note at the correct time. Yeah, literally, like, you, you got to be careful because if you sing the wrong thing, like, you might be remembered for it forever. So why not sing anything at all? And I think that's what we got from this album. I think I think you're correct, mate. It, it turned out to be, like, the time we saw in Flames Live. And I, ha- I literally don't think they had the guy's microphone plugged in. Literally, yeah. they, we did not hear the sing at all for the whole gig. And this is this is, this was it. And again, that's fine. He wants to be an instrumental album and just focus on his guitar playing. That's what he is. And I'm not sure he can't play with a singer because of his ego and allowing him to play with a singer or he just doesn't want to play with a singer. I don't know what his... He seems like a super cool cat. It doesn't oh, seem okay. like he's a jerk unless he's like, you know, selling us down the river and we're like, yeah, he's a super cool cat, but he's a complete jerk. Yeah, yeah. But no, he seems like a cool guy. He doesn't seem like a guy who wants to use a vocalist. And that for me is a bit of a shame because there are... S- this is the opposite of Concrete Dystopia where Concrete Dystopia, you could argue Loomis is on it too much because literally it's just like him just shredding the whole time, you know, which is fine because he did it for his own solo album. So, But even then, he was Loomis was self-aware enough for the second time to have vocalists on it and that really helped to get over that, uh, to bring in more people maybe, but to help his own uh, songwriting there. Um, but this is like the opposite where it's just riffs most of the time. There's a solo from Marty Freeman on there eventually. Um, there's a couple of other like cool little licks and solos, but most of the time, then you're right. It's just licks and just, yeah, just riffs. Yeah, and like I said, they don't even try to break up with a synth or something. So if that that would help compensate for vocalists. So it's something like, mm-hmm. yeah, you need you need something, especially some of those songs which just go on and on. It's the same riff like two and a half minutes. I'm like, what are you doing? It's, it's an interesting way of doing it. And I think that's the whole point of what he's doing. And this is what people are going to love it or hate it. And that's the hardest thing about it, you know, with the uh, vocals the way they are. Obviously, there are none, and th- so everything resting on the on the wrist of the guitar. You're going to decide pretty fast. And I've found it really hard to kind of think about in my list of going through my friends who I'd recommend this album to. You know, it's because of these very reasons. But we can move on to diversity. Maybe that will help us discover where the strengths and where the weaknesses lie. Now, like you were saying, Danny, there are times where there's acoustic sections coming in. There are some very fast and hard-hitting things and there's some times where it's just kind of pulled back more and you get the chance for the guitar to scream a little bit uh is it a diverse album on the whole danny or is it's got a couple of tricks and mostly it's just one note wonder kind of thing oh that's an interesting question um again because you, you're missing two instruments in like a synth or piano and a singer you really automatically are down behind eight ball with diversity because if you're getting a bit stuck with drums or guitar at least you can change it up with your singing style or put another instrument in there so just having guitars and drums Diversity is always going to be against you to start with, especially if people like me find it hard to really concentrate on a six-minute guitar song. It, it just I know a lot happens, but eventually you just like, oh, yeah, and you just... Drift. And this is the thing. Now, this is where it's going to be interesting because I'm definitely coming from the more musical side, you know? Yeah. And I can respect this album for that because what I found that the more I listen to this album, the more I'm starting to enjoy it because I'm getting the subtleties, right? Because I'm getting like licks and I'm getting ideas. I'm getting how he's weaved certain styles together and it seems almost flawless. So I get that, you know, that's what I'm really enjoying about it. I'm really thinking you know, how smart and how clever this guy either is by naturally doing this or spending a lot of time making sure that the, the all the T's and I's are dotted and crossed. But again, that's the problem I lie again. Then I'm like, well, then who this is this album for? And I'm like, well, again, these guys market it must be pretty small and they must be aware of it they're doing this album for themselves really surely because 
you're right, Danny. There's nothing really there to access the general listener's ear with a melody or with certain vocalists or an emotional attachment in that sense. It's really just an uh, going back to an atmospheric experience, whether you're going to love and immerse yourself in or not. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess going back to diversity, yes, there, it is there. I'm not being too harsh. There is diversity there, of course, not just because of the solos and because of acoustic songs, but each song or past songs you can hear his different influences, like he has a progressive influence, there's a bit of a gent influence. You hear a bit of sugar in there. Yeah. You hear a bit of opeth in there at times. Definitely tech death is in there as well. Yeah. So you, you can hear the influences. I'm not denying that. It's just, yeah. Let's move it on. Yeah, so we've got definitely diversity, and that's the one thing we're leading to. But this is where, for me, the album's going to fall back a little bit. And this is the groove, right? Now, for a lot of people, groove's different things. But for me, it's making sure how I feel. And mostly the rhythm section, especially the drums and the bass, dictate to me how you will feel with the album, right? And this is definitely, for me, it sounds like a pre-programmed drum tracks and I just don't like this kind of style. It's very it's very much by the numbers, you know, and it lacks a little bit of creativity and spontaneity. There are some cool ideas in it, but generally I find that this is definitely either a drum track or Keith Murray is featured a lot on writing the drums. And unfortunately, I don't think this is one of his strongest points. I think he does a decent job doing it, but it sounds like, for me, it's sometimes a guitarist writing for drums. And when you hear guys like Dirk Verbjorn, for example, or Thomas Hake or something, and you hear them play drums, and it becomes its own entity, this just sounds like it gets washed in the back. And there's points where, in certain tracks, where it's like, ugh, like you're just killing the momentum for me. And um, it's it, for such an ambient and so much, it, needs to, it needs the color, right? It needs it from somewhere. The guitars are doing what they're doing, but the drums need to be the next instrument because if there's not going to be any vocals and there's not going to be a clear defining melody with synth and stuff, for me, the drums need to be so much more proficient and it needs someone like a Sean Reynard, like someone like Death Caliber on this album and uh, it needs a technical death metal drummer and uh, even if there is and, and I'm wrong and there's, it's not actually a, a pre reign again, then you need, he needs more freed reign next time. He needs... Keith Merrin needs to fork out money for the drummer because he deserves it, right? And this is what's holding back his music writing. I'm sorry to say, but that's how I feel about it. No, it's fair enough. I mean, again, yeah, groove, it, it, it's hard because um, you can use vocalists and synths to help create feel with atmosphere, like I said. And there is a bit of it in the last track where it's the acoustic song. You can just feel like the wailing guitar solos and building oh, up. Great and stuff. Yeah. Crashing. That always helps you create feel. Groove, there's only a couple of parts where it gets a bit gentle where... There is a bit of a groove there. Again, there, again, and there's times in the songs where he'll change guitar tone or do these like bit of wailing things or tuning, and that does help give that feel and a bit of emotional pull there. Mm. But most of the times, it's just that staccato hitting drum and yeah. um, guitar riffing. You're just like, well, nah, it's just it's just too much. Dun, 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 dun. It's like, yeah, and I know it sounds tough and fat and all that, but when you hear that for six minutes, you're like, geez, man, you know? Yeah, and there's and these guys, again, like when they get into it sometimes, you can hear the money on it. Um, the guitars are so brilliantly written in those parts, you know, and like we're saying with diversity, that's its strongest effort for me. But again, it's held back by these little things that have followed Keith Merrow this whole time, you know, it kind of got away for a little bit with Conquering Dystopia when they got that young prodigy to go in. But they need, he needs to put the guy on his album because he is a guy, you know, whether he wants to admit it or not. You know, he is actually an individual sound in a market that has become a cliche of itself, you know, and he's separated himself from the tropes of traditional death metal. You know, he's one of the new guys that are coming through with innovative ideas and he's selling himself out, man. I, I just, I, I feel so. Sorry to say that because he's one of my guys. I've followed him for ten years, but um, yeah, this is definitely one now the 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 one thing that's followed me as well with him. 
And uh, I'd like to see that change in the next album. So should we, we'll guess go to production, I guess, and then just finish it off. Let's or? finish it off, man. I yeah, mean, let's, we, put, let's put a nice little beat, uh, bowl around it. Yeah, we kind of talked through production with each of these elements already. So I guess really summarizing, there's there's times where, I mean, the, the, the guitar does sound great. Like the, the tone yeah. he he displays and... If Mass Ray is a drum track, well, that's probably always going to sound correct. So, but the, the drum, the guitars do sound great. At times you, you do really feel hit those staccato hits as, much, as repetitive as they can be. You feel them. So when it gets really hard, heavy, really hard, you really can feel that and really get really get, get along to it. A couple of different guitar tones and sound effects help create the ambience, help create mood. So there are parts of it which is good, but these some some songs are just too long, and they really could have been cut down. Some riffs should have been longer and some riffs should have been shorter in these songs as well. Yeah, I think it all comes down to whether or not... I think that maybe that the, the, the tracks are long enough as they are, they're fine as they are, but it needs to have that next level of musicianship on it and that will come with a better lineup of musicians on it. They've got... Uh, the, the So far, they've got two of the four that's going to make it, but I really feel like with... Um, not sure about the bass, but definitely the drums, man. You know, And then the next he said was a bit more layering. I mean, that's his probably deal and he's going to appeal to his fans and they're going to love him for it or not. But um, I would, as a fan, I would love to hear them now for the next... Uh, and I'd love to hear another album for these guys because I think this is a great starting point. I mean, this, these are their first uh, attempt together and it's a very strong attempt. Don't get me wrong. It's just the market. Oh, that's... Oh, man, good luck, guys. Honestly, you, you, you'd be better off selling bottled water of cancer to Ethiopians than uh, trying to sell this album to death metalheads. It's um that's half. <laughs> it's pretty harsh, man. Shit. <laughs> no, it's a bit of joking, but um, and the and the irony of this is, is the now the album's called "The Deep Longing for Annihilation," and to be honest, it took me about like six or seven tracks to actually be annihilated. Literally, like I was longing to be fucking annihilated sometimes in a death metal record, um, because that's why it built itself at one with the cool cover art, rah rah rah. But um, you know, track nine came and I was like, "Oh damn, this is really nuts," you know. Yeah. But um, track five's pretty good as well. Track five, yeah, for sure. So uh, it got me. If it's self-aware, then these guys are far smarter than me. So maybe I'm just going to catch up to the awesomeness of the album, or maybe that um, they kind of lands on their own sword. Yeah, I think you're right, man. I think it's it's definitely one of those musician albums, and guitarists probably oh. really appreciate it. But for the rest of us people, well, I can't say father people, but for me, I, I just really struggle with instrument albums and it's a tough one albums. yeah uh, you know and i want to see these guys like this make a billion dollars but it's hard for yeah. me to recommend this to make to people to for them to make a billion dollars it was recommended this guy keith merrow was recommended to me by a guitarist and uh in turn i'd recommend this to guitarists but like because it's lacking so many layers like for a decent drummer to get involved you know because it's been programmed or to have a vocalist you know to get vocalists involved with that so keith merrow i wish you all the luck in the world with, and same as wes hawk uh good luck guys you know, we're putting this over as best as we can, but, uh, you know, our uh, criticisms aside, it is still a great album and uh, one that I will listen to again this year, to be honest, because I reckon by listening to this album a little bit more, I reckon I can find some gold in it for me as a uh, as a musician and a lover of an appreciation of people who, uh, yeah, like to challenge themselves in a uh, songwriting sense. Yeah, that's true. Look, and even myself, if I hear it more and really focus in, you're right, I could probably hear nice little licks and nice riffs, but at the same time, I'm... I, I'm not going to put that much energy into it because I can't get into it at this present stage. I'm not really going to put too much more energy to really try it. Yeah, it's adventurous. It's it's basically a new take on death metal and it doesn't land too heavy into the old the old style. So it's going to either have new fans or it's going to just stick in its... You know, and it's a nice little case where I think it might stay and they're happy to stay there. You know, yeah. no credit to their musicianship. They are great musicians and best of luck to it. So with that, our first review day of the year and mm. uh, quite the mixed one. We had a lot to say about it. 
Yeah, for someone with no vocals and no talking, we actually <laughs> filled up that space. So yeah. There you go. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, though. You know, guys, we're here to talk about albums. You know, if you guys want us to review a certain album, head over to our Facebook page, Super Metal Bro, and uh, leave us a comment or a like and uh, let us know what you guys want to hear. I know we've had one request this year from Braden, one of our fans. He wants to know what our take on the Suicide Silence album would be. Yeah, that's um, coming up in February, so we'll do it then, Brady, if you're listening out there in Radio Land. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we also got, I think, a news story next week might be touching on this in itself, so stay tuned for the question we'll post uh, later in the week, early next week, and a bit, of a bit more controversy as well is always good. Yeah, we love it. We love hearing from back from you guys as well. Thank you guys for listening today. I'm sure you could have been doing anything, and you probably were doing anything listening to us, but hey, we we're in your lives again for another just under an hour, so it uh, means a lot, doesn't it, Danny? Indeed. So until next week, guys, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We have been the Super Metal Brothers. Catch you next week. And remember, all hail the full and risen one. All hail Dionysus. Yeah! <laughs> da, 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 da. Catch you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>